welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. to Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. This is episode 37 for the year beginning 2013. Hello, everyone. It is Chris Dancy, more mature, less mature, but definitely a little bit older here with my co-host, Mr. Troy. How you doing, Chris? We're out of practice, Troy, aren't we? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's been some time, but I've missed you, my friend. How were your holidays? You know, the holiday was awesome. I actually felt like I got a good time off, so good. almost felt like it was too long. I had to come back to a real job. Do your children get like choo-choo trains or actual service design books? How does that work? Uh, Somewhere in between. I'm going to get all three boys into Teenage World this year. So they're in the game systems. That's what they're doing. That's that's right. I forgot you were a gamer. Uh, I, people probably would be... You, you should do a session on on, on gaming and, and, and service management. Not gamification, but gaming and service management. Troy, you know, every now and then we're joined by illustrious members of, of the Pink Elephant uh, stable of, of high, high talent. And, and today we got probably one of your finer consultants. How long have you worked with this... This person, I think if I can just kind of be bold and say his name before we actually get him on the air. How long have you worked with Jack Probst? Jack Probst. My goodness, must be seven, eight years now, minimum. He's going to, he's going to embarrass me now and tell me he's been around for like 12. <laughs> yeah, for probably. Uh, so I'm going to use my, my, the, 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 my summonings power that we've done in the past when we had Chris on, uh, from Pink and, and a bunch of other folks. I think we've even had Jack on. I get my memory escapes. We've had so many people on Martin and, and then, and everyone else. We need to get Ray Garrett on. I summons Jack Probst to practice in our radio. Jack, are you with us? Oh, I feel like I'm being called from the beyond. <laughs> Come forth, Jack. Join us. <laughs> Hello, Jack. Hey, guys. Jack, for those people who might not be familiar with your work, it would be Definitely hard not to. Can you give us a little bit of your background and who you are and where you come from? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I've been with Pink, yes, Troy, almost eight years, so uh, I'm not going to embarrass you there. And then prior to joining Pink, I was with a major insurance company nationwide for 10 years, uh, spent some time as their their IT process officer and then CIO for one of their subsidiaries, and then was with another insurance company for what seemed an eternity, 17 years Finished up my tour there as a CIO, but came up on the business side. So, been both on the delivery of IT from a leadership perspective, but also uh, as a recipient uh, on the business side. So, done a little bit of both. So, you're this practitioner professional hybrid. You're like you've 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 seen it all. Yeah, foot in both camps, as it were. Or he's got two brains. You know? <laughs> Oh, scary thought. <laughs> Very scary thought. Now, Jack, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you also hold another just slight little teeny role in the world of service management. Yeah, I do. So uh, Chris is referring to the ITSMF USA, uh, the U.S. chapter of ITSMF International. Been on the board now for a year, and I am currently president-elect. So I'll be president of ITSMF USA beginning in 2014. And now you were right that Jack has been with us before, Chris, because 
he used to be on the board for ISO, and he came up and he spoke about ISO 20,000. Yes. That was like way back early 2012, maybe even 2011. Yeah, I think you and I were teenagers. Yeah, you were, Troy, you were 17, I was 7, 16. So that was about that year. Yes, just, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that, Chris. Uh, so, okay, president-elect of ITSMF. So, I mean, you, you're, you, you could talk about a lot of things today, couldn't you? You could, I mean, we could spend two hours. Right, yeah, one or two, okay. one or two. But, but let's not do that. Troy, you had a concept last year that just fascinated the heck out of me. And then uh, people really responded to it. Do you want to remind the listeners uh, what that topic was? So we were talking about the operating model, right? Yep. The, the concept that there's just macro value stream flow from the customer demand discussion and business relationship management, relationship conversation, moving all the way through design in transition into production and to run. So basically plan, build, run. And how it's really important to define that operating model at that level so that we can understand who does what and how is value delivered. Otherwise, we kind of wind up in process silos. And Jack and I work a lot in that area. In fact, Jack's had a lot of practical experience uh, working with our customer organizations, and he's actually even evolved this conversation further, and that's what we want to talk about today. So when we recorded this episode, uh, the date and time on the on the practitioner radio parameter uh, of, of service management futureness was December 27th, 2011. It was episode 19. Wow, that far back. Yep. And you had shared with the uh, the audience, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Show notes are available on SoundCloud, Troy's blog at Pink Elephant, or servicefair.com, or probably really about show anywhere. Uh, a great uh, diagram that kind of showed the demand model, the supply, and then moving from one side to the other. So this operating model kind of opened me up to, wow, I'd never thought of this as a flow moving through the business. And then Jack actually has, like you said, has taken this a little bit further. So Jack, a service flow, help me, help me. Let's let's get people warmed up to this idea first. So there are several different ways to think about this. So let's let's take it at sort of a very basic concept, and it's taking what Troy spoke uh, about in, what was it, episode 19? Yep. I almost feel like the the old radio, you know, see the Lone Ranger and Green Lantern. <laughs> Tonto, come back. That's how, that, that, that's how, that's how <laughs> Troy and I feel too. So so he talked about the operating model. And, and one of the things that I do when I talk to organizations is the operating model for an organization is is relatively simple. And, and I, I draw a very simple graphic. So so kind of picture this, Chris, you know, and, and just, just think of the lines, right? So think of two funnels, so you have a funnel that the, has the narrow end. They're pointing towards each other, right? So you can kind of think of those shapes. And then there's a pipe that connects one funnel to the other, right? Can you visualize that? Yeah. You got that in your mind, right? Yep. So I draw those lines. It's basically nothing more than six lines that go up on, on a flip chart. And I say, you know what? What happens in an organization, especially around services, is that at one end, and, and I'm, I've got my hand up, so I'm sure you can see that, out the right-hand side, the right-hand funnel, there's all of this stuff that the customer needs and, and we're understanding of that and we've got to focus on it and we're figuring out what are the things that the customers are demanding. So it's basically we've got our salespeople out there, our BRMs, that they're spending time in the customer area and the customer's saying these are the things that are important. This is where our strategy is. These are the areas where we're going as an organization. We need your help to support us in terms of the things that we need to do to ultimately generate revenue for the organization or if you're a governmental organization or a nonprofit, support our mission and so forth. So I've got all that stuff coming into the funnel, right? 
But typically for an organization, that organization can't take everything that's coming in the funnel because the pipe that connects the 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 funnel that's coming in and then the funnel that's going out, which is basically your production environment, that pipe is fairly restricted. There's only so much that can be done to translate the need into the outcome or the services that are being delivered. And so so what I talk to people about is, is that you have to manage that pipe or basically the, the service pipeline that they talk about in IDLE. And the more I talk about it, I say, you know, guys, this is that pipe, that thing in the middle is the factory. That's where you actually build the stuff, the services that translate the idea, the need that's that right hand funnel into what eventually you're going to run in the data center, which is the left hand funnel and all managing all that stuff. And so so people go, yeah, you're right. You know, this you're absolutely right. And and one of the big issues, one of the big challenges for organizations is that pipe is only so big. You can't flex the pipe. It's not it's not easy to do. So so what we talk about and and it, and it helps because of a model or an analogy is that we we begin to talk about really stepping back away from just thinking about IT and all the complexities of IT and managing software and hardware and all those kind of good things. And let's think of an analogy around this whole idea of a factory that's part of a larger organization that understands customer needs out there in the marketplace and dealing with the competition and and developing strategies around, you know, what are the things that you want to build, that you want to sell people, and then making sure that those things are sold and then eventually you can deliver those to the customer. And oh, by the way, we have that post-sales support uh, that's running. And everybody just kind of goes, yeah, man, I hadn't really thought about it that way. And so what I've done is, is I've taken that operating model concept that Troy talked about in 19 and kind of spun that a little bit and said, okay, so what, what would happen if we thought about this? Not so much, I mean, the operating model still is perfectly valid. It, it's something that, that we talk about every day and, and we work with organizations around fleshing that out. But what if we kind of just, from the standpoint of just simplifying this conversation, especially we want to have the conversation with, with business people and so forth, let's talk about, so what is it that we need to do around managing IT um, and kind of simplify the conversation so that we can focus in on some very specific criteria that would help us not only understand what we need to have in place, but also if we need to improve things, what would that be? And then we can then measure our ability to convert those inputs and outputs. So long answer, but that's where we're going. All right, let's slow it down. That is is really a a good answer. But some of our folks, and this actually, uh, if you're listening and you want to Google, because a lot of people listen while they work, uh, you can check out Troy's blog from uh, Friday, May 20th, 2011. Uh, You can just Google the strategic role of IT operating model of an IT operating model, the strategic role of an IT operating model. Let's 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 go back to pipeline because you talked about that, and that's one of those things I think that I don't hear a lot about it. I mean, I'm sure I'm, maybe I'm listening in the wrong places, but we seem to really just focus on the services, the actual, the core widget, and not the pipeline at all. And in our operating uh, model conversation, we talked about that. What does the pipeline mean to you? Can you elaborate on just the concept of the pipeline for me? Right. So so let's take it at a high level and then we'll, okay. we'll kind of get into a little more detail. So the pipeline, might, for me, is the capability of the organization 
to take those requests that are coming in from the customer that we've established some priority round. Mm. And we release those requests into this thing we're just going to call it the pipeline to simplify it for right now. That when that request, which is a wish, right, this is a need, right, I can then design uh, what the eventual uh, outcome should look like. I mean, there will be some analysis in there. I can design it, and then I build, I test, and then I stand it up so that I can put it into production. The pipeline are all of those activities that are needed in order to convert that input, the request, into an output, which is the actual service being delivered. That's the pipeline. So this conversation is not about the IT operating model as much as it is about the requests coming in and how we turn them into deliverables to enter the larger factory. Well, yes and no, because that pipeline really is the operating model. It's a different name he's given it. Okay. But the key here, and I think the, let's start at the beginning of this, is that there's way too much coming into the front end of this pipe for the pipeline to handle. Right. You got all these customer requirements, and if you're, you know, like one of the customers I was recently working with, it's a group of a healthcare group that has like, you know, X number of hospitals and X number of senior centers. And they have all like five to eight different business units they serve, all wanting something. Then they've got to do their own upgrades of the technology within the infrastructure. Then they've got to, you know, hopefully go after some new technology and the cool stuff. And there's just no way you can do it all. So the organization that that wants to basically commit Harry Carey says, sure, (laughs) and says yes to everything. And then delivers nothing, mm. right? Because there's no understanding of the cap- capability or capacity for handling it. Mm. And Jack, would you agree that that's a good number of organizations that want to be perceived as just saying yes? I would agree with you because the flip side is, and and we've talked to organizations about this, is that IT doesn't believe they can say no. I don't have any Oompa Loompas in my factory yet. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go outsource some. It's true. <laughs> and so what ends up happening, and and I. And I also, when I talk to folks about this, so uh, let's let's get into Professor Petey's Peabody's Wayback Machine. <laughs> uh, so the people who understand what that is, the, the, we you ought to be giving them gold stars, Chris. Mm. So you do know you do know Professor Peabody's Wayback Machine, right, Chris? Of course, yeah. Uh, Simon and what was his name? Uh, Sherman and Sherman, Sherman and Professor Peabody. Yeah, and, and it was the Bullwinkle Show, right? Just, I just look young, and yeah. that's, that's the, I mean, I'm not. I'm actually pretty old. I'm All like right. Benjamin Button for service uh, management. Okay. All right. So so we're gonna see how old you really are. So you remember Ed Sullivan? No. Okay, you got me. Oh, I got you. Okay. So look <laughs> uh, up on Nick at night. So so Ed Sullivan about once a year he would bring somebody on the show that would have like 20 long sticks, very flexible sticks in a row. And he would put a plate on top of it and he'd spin the the plate with the stick and then he'd get that spinning and then he'd go to the next stick and get his plate spinning and so forth. So you kind of picture this, right? The guy's Mm -hmm. working down his way down. And by the time he gets to the very end, the plate at the other end is starting to wobble. So we've got to run all the way down at the other end and spin that stick and so forth. And so basically he's running back and forth, spinning sticks. And to Troy's point, that's what we do in IT. We end up spinning all these these plates and we never really get anything done because what we're doing is we're running from plate to plate to plate to plate, just trying to keep all the balls in the air. And all we're doing is keeping all the balls in the air. And then suddenly someone out of the left field throws you another plate. <laughs> You're in trouble. Is that what, is that what people mean when I hear them say at conferences and stuff? We're just, we're just concerned with keeping the lights on. Is that what they mean? Uh, that's a little bit different, but um, okay. yeah, I mean, the keep the lights on is if you think about it, it is sort of like a utility and all we want is that sense that every day I come to work, 
I want to be able to hit the on button and know that it's going to work just like electricity. So, so if you've got all these plates spinning, what what you're proposing here in this factory model is you've actually thought through uh, how to look at this from someone watching the plate spinning from the per- being from the point of view of the person spinning the plates and possibly maybe even being a plate. Um, actually, all of that. And and let me add. That you know how many plates you can spin. Bingo. And, mm. and when when you hit that limit, you have to find alternative means of plate spinning, right? Additional capacity. Mm. You gotta find an outsource channel. But you can't just say yes and let all the plates fall to the ground, which unfortunately is what we're known to be. So in the factory model, you have to know your limits. Exactly. You have to know the throughput capacity, how much stuff can mm. pass through the pipe. Is this theory of constraint stuff we covered once, Troy? It totally applies. It absolutely does. See, I listen, Troy. I learned on practitioner radio. That's why people listen. <laughs> that pipe is not is no faster than the limiting bottleneck somewhere in it, right? So even knowing what your pipeline model is or operating model is, Will actually allow you to find out where the constraint is in the in the flow. Jack, take me back. Take me back to your factory, Jack. All right. So 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 let me expand on this just a little bit. Okay. All right. So Troy talked about the fact that we can only do as much in the pipe, right, as we have the capability and capacity to do, right. So part of the factory model, which is which is kind of an extension, is I believe, and so when I draw my little simple diagram, I put at the very front end of the pipe, I put a valve. Mm. And, and what that valve is, is the process by which we look at all the requests that are coming in and we recognize that we only have so much plate spinning capacity capability within the pipe itself. And so what we do is in that valve is we have our projects, we set priorities around those projects, and then we set them aside until we, and we have visibility into the pipe, say, oh, I have an empty stick. I open the valve up and I allow a plate to come in and I put it on that stick and I ramp it up. So from an analogy standpoint, I think we're getting really crazy about the, the plate spinning, but that's that's basically a big part of it is and it's around resource demand management. Well, from our, from our learning episode... <laughs> People learn episode number twenty nine. Uh, people, Troy's thinking Chris has turned into a robot. Uh, people learn a different way, so we don't don't beat up the analogy too much. Yeah, that's really a groovy concept for me to kind of wrap my head around because as I'm listening to you describe it, you know, and as a resource becomes available, we you know we go and grab one of those things we we put out there, and so this needs to be done. You know, I start to have all these questions about how do we you know where do we start to measure? Well, that person was. Is now available. Do we do we gauge how effective they were before we continue? Where does continual service improvement even enter the factory? Is it at every level of the factory? I mean, well, it's it's every level. You know, but I want to go back to something you said earlier, Chris. I think it's very important. You've got all these organizations that have been adopting ITSM principles, ITIL principles for you know a dog's age, mm. but they've never made it past the incident problem and change dance. Right? They've never moved beyond the run concepts and maybe a bit of transition. But what have they done for anything related related to this pipe discussion around plate spinning and, and new portfolio and new value? Nothing. Uh, so they can do all this energy around stable operations, lights on. You mentioned that a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. But all they've managed to do is get out of the customer's way. You know, they've basically fixed some of the basic support issues they've uh, you know they've always had. That doesn't mean they've improved anything about how the pipe is flowing from end to end. Which gets to a point of, can they meet their commitments to the customer? So the customer basically has, if you think about it, two basic 
commitments they want to buy tea. One is the KTLO, which you talked about, and and that's what Troy's discussing with incident problem change. You know, making sure that from an operational standpoint, actually, it's like a technology focus. I can manage my technology so that they don't break in the middle of the night. That's great. And they've, they've gotten better at plate catching. Mm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And putting the plate back up there, right? So, so there is some long-term, you got to keep the plate spinning and so forth. But the other commitment that, that the customer is going to need, because we know that the customer is constantly responding to the dynamics of the competitive marketplace and so forth, is that that customer is going to say, I need more stuff out of IT because, quite honestly, I can't do my job without IT. I mean, it's just the fact of life these days. And I need to know that you can make a commitment that you can deliver to me what I need when I need it, right, at the cost that you promised me. And and that's the piece that, you know, we sort of lay at the feet of project management, but it's bigger than that. I mean, it's it, it really comes down to how do you manage all that stuff that's kind of inside that pipe that once that plate goes in, we can manage that efficiently. You know what project manager like? They're, they're like the... The conductor of all these trains you're pointing at the pipe, but they're not in the pipe themselves. They're all just trying to race their their trains towards the common pipe entrance. And, you know, for those people who are interested in project management and where it where it meets this, uh, a practitioner radio episode thirty two, we actually took on project and change management and how they integrate. I think we even had a a guest. We had Graham on, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's true. It, this it ties right in. So you have all these project trains heading for the the pipe, the tunnel going through the mountain. But it's only one tunnel. What's inevitable going to happen here with when all these trains are looking for first in? Well, you need a good. Well, and I'll, I'm going to go railroad on you, and Rob England would appreciate this because he's a railroad person. You need a good switcher. There you go. That's that's the valve that, that Jack is talking about. Oh my God! We just had a collision of five analogies. What happens if the valve isn't there and you don't have a switch? Death and mayhem. <laughs> Plates crashing to the ground. Oh my god! This is horrible. <laughs> this is this is insane. Poor Jack's going. I'm never going to do that show again. <laughs> no, no. Which analogy do I go down? Do I go the train no, it's, analogy, it's or any. I go down the? Our, the our plate audience analogy. is really smart. They really me. are. So, so let's so let's let's take this one step further. Okay. So we've okay. kind of gone through the plate spinning and the pipe and the valve and all that good stuff, right? So what the audience is probably thinking is, okay, at a high level, I kind of get it. Yeah, I got to do, you know, I got to have this valve. I don't want to overstress the pipe. I don't want to, I don't want to explode the pipe, right? You know, it's kind of like the pig going through the snake. We don't want that, right? We want to keep this thing nice and flat and level and so forth. But it's like, I've got like way too much stuff going through there. And so one of the things back to sort of the, the train analogy. So, so think about a switching yard. Right, a switching yard. You got the the one or two or three tracks coming in, and then all of a sudden there's a switching yard where I then stream off, where I can take trains in different directions, where I can either queue them up or you know they're they're being you know assembled with other cars and so forth, so that I can create something different going out the back end. And and what we have within the pipe, and this is sort of taking it down one more level is if you think about the lines of service that that IT will provide over time, a lot of those lines of service, they're organized around kind of consistent characteristics, you know, the, the kind of the same types of resources are needed in order to manage them um, and so forth. And so what we do is, is, is one of the ways in which we manage the pipe and we manage that the, the plate spinning that goes on in there is that we organize the pipe now into kind of like smaller pipes. So inside the pipe, there's smaller pipes that each one of these are managing individual lines of service. Could be based off of technologies, could be based off of customers, it could be, you know, whatever is needed in order to convert the inputs and the outputs. 
But what what we've found organizations who have been successful at this is that they then get the concept of what does it take to manage the resources efficiently, right, inside to make sure that when I dedicate resources to this work, that I have continuous flow, a lean concept. I'm sure you guys have talked about lean, right? And it's being pulled through, but I also have the ability, if needed, I can shift resources between the various pipes. But my pipe, each of my individual line of service pipes is is organized in such a way that when I release that plate right into the pipe, it flows through um, and it does through consistently with high quality. So that's just an additional concept uh, that seems to be very, very successful for people when they start to think about this. And let me add one more to that switching room that you just talked about. We're not limited in, in reality to only the lines of service within the internal IT organization. Supplier management and strategic sourcing can say, here's another track, and that tracks off to the uh, external supplier, right? To the cloud, to whatever, you know, outsource, whatever it might be. So it's, you know, we have also that strategic ability to alternatively source. Yep. So we can flex the pipe, kind of adding some additional capacity there. So for those people who are listening to this going, gosh, I wish my organization was like that. Would you, would you say that there is a, a maturity leveling or a maturity principle that applies to to this type of concept? Or can organizations start that journey to flexing that pipe, putting in that switch, uh, focusing on those plates? Can they start that in very small steps? Yes and no. So here's the challenge. There's no organization today that doesn't try to do this valve, really. Hmm. But the problem is there's a group over here doing planning, right? Portfolio planning and portfolio funding. That's happening today. And there's a group over here doing the development, the build work. Then there's a group over here doing the run and the operations work. And there's three separate groups with three different set of priorities and three different management structures. And there's no continuity of flow between them. They haven't been plugged together like a Lego structure here. And that's what the factory is, basically saying enough with the silo activity. Let's put them together in a single flow. Doesn't that take an incredible amount of culture and leadership to, to break that down? Massive. And that's the biggest issue. And then, Jack, where can I learn more about this? Are you going to talk about this? Are you doing any webinars? Or where can I learn? I mean, is there, there's got to be an answer here. I can't, we can't do this in 30 minutes. So one of the things that, that I'll be talking about at the conference this year um, in Las Vegas is I have a, uh, a session called IT as a Factory. It'll be Tuesday afternoon at 4.30 or 4.35. So I will be expanding on, on this concept and giving practical advice across all elements of the factory, so the inputs and the outputs and so forth, so that people at least can walk out of that room saying, okay, I, I kind of get it. To, to Troy's point, how what does that Lego block model look like? Yeah. And if I needed to, you know, talk about this with people, at least I have a uh, you know a conceptual approach that we can have the conversation. So, do you touch on the the the, the concepts around? Because again, it's, I, to me, it sounds like the issue would be getting that leadership to 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 snap those bricks together. Do you touch on that, or you just? I mean, how deep do you go? No, my conversation is really more around the the whole idea of the model itself. Gotcha. I think you know we have other sessions that we'll talk about. Essentially, it's kind of organizational change. Yes, but I want all my information from one source, and I'm the customer. So now I'm I'm, I'm racing a train toward you. There you go. <laughs> we've got we've got twelve tracks at the conference. <laughs> there you go, oh, Troy. You went there, and there's this huge switching station. Ross, can we get a train sound? Just Ross, Ross, bring in the train right now. 
So uh, I do have one on uh, on the value equation of service management, which which might speak a little bit to that. Please. But I agree with Troy. I mean, to me, this is a top-down effort. The organizations that we spent time on, this wasn't a bottom-up. Uh, this was top-down. This was uh, the senior leadership said, you know, we've got to get our, our arms around these resources. We're, we're, we're struggling here. Uh, you know, we can manage that, that uh, technology side. We've gotten pretty good at that. But, you know, to build on what Troy was saying earlier about, you know, can organizations take this in baby steps? I think one of the other key elements of this, a critical success factor, is you, you need to have started to move down the direction of understanding what are services and documenting the services. I mean, if you are only thinking in terms of the technology, servers, networks, applications, and so forth, you'll have the two major silos, infrastructure and, and applications, and you're not going to, it's going to be difficult to manage this, that factory. That's true. This is the, the shift from technology to service orientation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. So uh, for those of you following along today, uh, episode 18, we covered lean. So uh, if you're interested in lean or other types of quality systems, you can check out episode 18. That was back in December 2011. Uh, and then also today, we talked about the uh, ITIL incident problem change dance. You can uh, Google that. You can find Troy's blog called the ITIL incident problem change dance from... Uh, 2007, July of 2007. Check that out. Jack, your session is at the conference again. What day and what time? Tuesday, 4.35. And speaking of that, do either one of you know what happens in 28,754 seconds? No, Chris, why don't you tell us? No, tell me. <laughs> the Pink Elephant 2013 Conference. Oh, yes. And you can thank Wolfram, Wolfram Alpha for my amazing math ability there. And, and you're going to be there speaking too, I believe. We never talk about me. This is just <laughs> this is not the Chris Dancy. The world is the Chris Dancy show. This is the Troy Chris, Ella. you have way too much time on your hands. But we have Practitioner Live, and I love that. Practitioner Radio will be recorded live. So the number one, I think it was number one, maybe it's number two, uh, most listened to show last year was the live show on um, uh, the uh, service management office from that. And you can see Troy and I on Monday the 18th at 7.15 a.m. So let me just put this out there. If you do come and you do come up to Troy and I and say, I listen to Practitioner Radio and I'm here at 7.50 a.m., I will make sure I have a small token of my appreciation. I'm not going to tell you what type of grand gift it was. But yeah, Troy, uh, I'm, uh, I've got I've got our session and count them, not one, not two, but three others. I haven't had this many sessions since I was a pinker. <laughs> You're a friend of pink. You know, that's an official title. Yes, I, I'm a, I'm a fop. I'm a friend of pink. So Chris, is that, is that small token appreciation? Is that that hundred dollar chip for the Bellagio? <laughs> I don't make that kind of money, but I swear if I could get every, if I could get everybody a hundred dollar chip, I would. Jack, uh, we have a tradition on the show. Yeah. And I'm just going to hold your feet to the fire. Jack, do you know what time it is? Uh, I'm almost afraid to ask, but go ahead. You probably don't, but I'm going to tell you. It's time for Jack's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! So, what is my tip of the day? So, as we've been talking about this whole idea of factories, to me, in order for this thing to work, you've got to think really long and hard about those key services and, and more specifically, your service lines. And so... You need to think about what you need to do to assure that when you're going to be delivering value, how do you incrementally create that? And that's that whole idea of managing the pipeline. Think about what comes in and what goes out. 
It's all comes down to services. It's a very simple process. That is amazing. Jack, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. Oh, my pleasure. Troy, uh, I will see you in, in uh, just a very short amount of time to record episode 38. Uh, but I do want to take a moment because uh, 2013 is my year of great gratitude. So, uh, uh, Jack, I'd like to thank you for your service to the service management community and to ITSMF and your leadership. So thank you for that also. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Chris. I do appreciate that. Uh, this has been episode 37 for Practitioner Radio. We'll see everybody in two weeks. Thanks. See you in Vegas. Vegas.